Welcome to our podcast here at Trinity West Church. We believe that you will be enriched by today's message. Let's open our hearts to receive God's Word. Would you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm just going to preach a brief message to you today. And here's the title of my message. Are you ready? Whatever happened to men? Whatever happened to men? You say, well, pastor, I know it was disco. That's why I put that slide up there. Disco happened. The 70s happened to men. Uh, No, there's more to it than that. And so I'm just going to read one scripture to you today. Actually, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I think I might have said 1 Corinthians 11, but 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 11, says this. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Let me just say that last phrase again. When I became a man... I put away childish things. I really believe in my heart of hearts that there is a void in our nation today of real men. So when I say to you, whatever happened to men, I'm telling you the truth. Whatever happened to men? If you ask some single ladies out there, they'll agree with me. Hey, because they have been looking and trying to find just a man. Can we find just one man out there? Any ladies going to agree with that one just a little bit? Listen, we need men to step up. Listen, I'm not running for president of the United States, but I'm telling you right now, I could make America great again. I could tell you exactly, I could tell you exactly how to do it. I'm telling you the truth. This is how you're going to make America great again. There's two things, just two ways to make America great again. Let me just give them to you. This is our two greatest needs. Number one, we need boys to grow up. And then number two, we need men to step up. If we would just have boys growing up and we'd have men stepping up, we could make America great again. We don't need another politician making empty promises. Listen, I'm going to vote for who I vote for. I believe we vote for a moral candidate. I believe we vote for a candidate who best espouses uh, 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 policies that are in line with God's word. So I'm all for that. But our hope is not in politicians. Our hope is not in our government. Thank you, Jesus. Our hope is in God inside of men stepping up and boys growing up. Amen? So we desperately need this in our life. We desperately need men to become men. You know what I read this week? I was just blown away. I was just reading as I was flying on the plane, and I'd never heard this before, but did you know that the word teenager is actually less than 100 years old? Your grandparents, many of you, and your great-grandparents, probably all of us, had never heard the word teenager. They didn't have that word growing up because there was no such thing as a teenager. Why? Because they got married at 14. They went straight from being a child to being an adult. So the word teenager did not show up in the Webster Dictionary until 1921. There was no such thing as a teenager. 
You started working at 13, you were married at 14, you went straight from being a child to being a man. There was none of this teenager business. Now, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's the way it was in our country 100 years ago. But somehow the came along, and I don't have any problem with that. Hey, we need to have a period of time where we're, we're growing and we're being stretched and we're, we're, we're uh, uh, understanding some things. But here's what's happening in our country, that there are a group of men out there, or, or I should say there are boys out there that are trying to transition, but instead of making the transition, what they're really doing is just prolonging the teenage years. So that they're going into their 20s and, God forbid, sometimes into their 30s and they're still acting like a teenager. And you just wonder, when are you going to grow up? When are you going to grow up? It's time for men to step up and for boys to grow up. And we have this like Peter Pan syndrome where where they never want to grow up. Hey, it's time to grow up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I I read this in the USA Today, and and this one blew me away as well. And I talk to men about this from time to time, and and I say, you know, do you know that the average age of of a video gamer, a person who plays video games on a regular basis, do you know what the average age, not the top age, what is the average age? And I ask people that, and I usually get responses of maybe 17, 18. Some people even go, you know, 20, 25. It's 34. USA Today reports that the average age of a video gamer is 34. Now listen, I, I'm just going to say what I'm going to say today and just let it, let it go because I just believe in my heart of hearts that like Paul said, when you become a man... Come on, somebody, when you become a man, you put away childish things. Now, I'm not saying that you can't spend five minutes playing a video game. And if you want to take a few minutes to play with your son and bond with them, that's fine. That's probably not the best use of time, the best way to bond. But if you want to do a little bit of that, or hey, if you're making money at it, go for it. I mean, if you're making big bucks, and you better be making big bucks playing video games, that's fine. But I don't believe a man has any business spending hours in their 20s and 30s playing video games. Now, that's just me, right? I just think we ought to grow up. I think we ought to put away some of our childish toys and get off the screen and get off the phone and get off the computer and get away from the the PS this and the, the Xbox this and say, hey, there's a better way to use your time. Far too many men have a wishbone where they should have a backbone. I was in Bolivia this week, and, and, and we've been supporting this orphanage for, for 10 years, and there's 50 boys in it right now, and they've had as much as 80 boys. And it's this incredible, incredible work, and we've had John and Maritza Hernandez, good friends of ours, come and speak at the church, and and man, what incredible work that they're doing in Bolivia. And not just Bolivia, they're doing work all over Latin America. But, but it was our first time in Bolivia, and I got to meet these boys, 50 of them. They go to school there, they live there. And not all of them are orphans, but many of them are either orphaned or abandoned by their family. And as I was speaking to them, and I spoke nine times 
in two days. So don't ask me how my vacation was. But as I was talking to these boys, I just was overwhelmed with a sense of, where is their dad? Where, where is he? What is he doing? What, what happened in this situation? And, and John would tell me some stories of, of boys that go into this thing, four or five years old, nobody ever comes to visit. Nobody ever comes to see them. Family's still alive. Dad's still alive. But they never check on these boys. And, and if you could see the picture of these kids, and we'll put a picture up in a few weeks because next month we're going to raise money for them, but, but where are the dads? Why aren't they stepping up? Why have they abandoned them? Why have they walked out of their lives? And, and they walk in, and I could almost just burst into tears because they all called John Hernandez, who's, who's the missionary who's working with them, who lives here, Papa John. He's their dad. And they walk in, Papa John! Papa John! And they just cling to them, and I was standing next to them, and they thought, hey, let's cling to him too, and they're climbing all over me. And you know, It was just unbelievable, and I just thought, where... Who, what men are missing out on being able to pour their life into a young man? Why can't men step up? Why can't they take responsibility? What's happened to our nation? And listen, that may be Bolivia, but it's also happening here in America. It's happening here in our nation as well. It's men who even sometimes who live at home who have still checked out. They may be home physically, but they're not home emotionally. And they're certainly not home spiritually. They've totally checked out. So I want to give you five traits today. Can I do that? Five characteristics of what it means to be a, a man. Just what it means to be a man. And really, I want to talk to the men here today, but also to the ladies what to look for if you're single out there, in a man. Number one is this. A man controls his emotions and his passions. A man controls his emotions and his passions. That doesn't mean that he is emotionless. It just means he controls them. It means he's just not led about by how he feels, what looks good, what feels good. Hey, man, listen, give it a break. Listen, you can't just live that way your whole life. You just can't be like, whatever feels good at the moment, let's just do that. No, no, you control your emotions. The Bible says God has given us the spirit of self-control. I have a, a minister friend of mine who jokingly tells me all the time, he said, you know, I can resist anything but temptation. That'll just, that'll, you'll get that later at lunch. I can resist anything but temptation. But some people live that way. He's joking. Some people really live that way. Hey, listen, control your emotions. Control your passions. Number two is this. A man provides for his family. In 1 Timothy 5, 8, it says this, but if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and it is worse than an unbeliever. I just believe, now listen, hey, I may be old-fashioned, I told you I'm an old soul and a young, sleek body, but hey, uh, I may be old-fashioned, but I just believe the man ought to provide for his family. That doesn't mean that they both can't work. Listen, if that's what has to happen, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But the man ought to step up and provide for his family. That's just the way it should be. 
That's just the way God intended it. In fact, I believe this, that it is inherent, it is in the DNA of every man that they ought to work and provide. Without it, no sense of accomplishment. Listen, if you're not providing for your family, if you're letting someone else take care of you, relying on the government, if you're relying on others, you're relying on your wife, hey, that's not the way God intended it would be. And listen, you'll never have the self-worth that you need if you don't go to work and provide for your family. Amen? Besides, men, listen, we can't stay home and take care of kids. There's no, oh, no way. I wouldn't trade jobs with any stay-at-home mom. I wouldn't last a week. Listen, the whole house would be burnt to the ground. The kids would have limbs missing. I don't know what would happen if I tried to stay home. Listen, men, we can't do it. I don't know how you ladies do it. You're superhuman. How do you stay home and take care of kids? It's like impossible. So we can't do that job. We weren't born for that job. Hey, listen, there's no such thing as Mr. Mom. We ought to put that notion to rest. Now, that's just how I feel. You may not feel that way. That's just how I feel. And it's not just financial. A man should be providing spiritual food, spiritual nourishment for his family as well. And then number three, a man protects his family. He protects his family. Listen, guys, you've been there, you know, you're sleeping at night, all of a sudden you hear a noise. What do we do? Honey, go check out that noise. <laughs> I think I heard something. Huh? That's not what we do. Come on, listen, we know what we do. We get up there like we're Barney Fife and pull up our, you know, boxer shorts and run into the next room and, you know, like we're going to do something, you know. But we ought to protect our family. We ought to do something about that. We ought to say, if anybody messes with my family, listen, I just tell you this, anybody messes with my family, they're going to get all of me. I may not win, but they're going to get all of me. It happened uh, years ago, Cynthia and I were, were uh, we don't even have kids yet. We were just newly married, and we were doing one of those fireworks tent. Have you seen the guys at the fireworks tent? We did that for two years. Two years, not two years straight. I'm talking about two weeks out of a year we did that. We lived in a fireworks tent. And we were, we were in Dunellen, Florida, and we were in this fireworks tent in a Walmart shopping center. There's a Walmart right there. I mean, there's a McDonald's right there. Cynthia went to walk over to the McDonald's, and when she came back, she came out the door, and there was this guy in the drive-thru, and he started hooting at her. He just started yelling at her. Woo, hey, baby, woo, woo. And I'm about, you know, 100 feet away in the fireworks tent. Man, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even consider it. There was, nothing, there was no thought process. All of a sudden, I started giving this guy what for. Man, I started yelling at him. Hey, man, who do you think you're yelling at? That's my wife. Hey, be quiet. Man, I just, I, just, I just lit into this guy from the fireworks tent. All of a sudden, four heads popped out of that car. <laughs> Boom, just four heads. And I thought, oh, this is it now. I hadn't been beat up since I was five, and I'm about to get beat up for the first time since I was five years old. They come over, and here's me. Hey, guys. My whole tune changed. Hey, guys, man, you know, just letting you know that was improper. That's my wife, and I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't do that. And then they cursed me out. They let me have it, you know. And I thought, okay, that's all right now. But listen, I didn't care. I... I would have taken on all four. Would you say, Pastor, you'd have got beat up? I probably would have. If angels had not come to rescue me, I probably would have gotten beat up. 
But I don't care. Listen, they were going to get all of me. Now listen, if they're going to get all of me physically, because I know you men, you're the same way. Somebody messes with your kids or somebody messes with your wife, they're going to get all of you. But why don't they get all of you spiritually? Because there's a real devil messing with them. And there are real demon spirits messing with them. Now why can't they get all of you spiritually as well. Listen, protecting your family doesn't just mean you protect them with uh, a nine millimeter or, you know, something along those lines. It means you also protect them spiritually. I always believe it's the man's job to put a guard on the home. He puts the guard on the TV. He puts the guard on the computer. He puts the guard on their social media. He puts the guard on what they watch at home. He puts the guard on what comes in and what goes out. He guards their morals. He guards their lifestyle. I've said for years that it's the dad's responsibility to take their daughter's bathing suit shopping. Don't leave that to the mom. She'll just pick out what's ever cute. Women, I'm sorry, you can't handle that. You just, your sense of fashion takes over. Okay? It ought to be the dad that takes his daughter bathing suit shopping. And listen, if she's too embarrassed to come out in front of you in a dressing room, then maybe she shouldn't be wearing whatever it is she picked out. Amen? Amen. Protect your family. Guard your family. Protect your family, spiritually as well as physically. Did you know that in Washington, D.C., and I had the privilege of going there years ago, with uh, Caleb, we went on a, a field trip uh, with the safety patrol to Washington, D.C., and we had incredible times, and many of you have been on those kind of trips, or you've been to Washington, D.C., but one of the best times we had was, was visiting the tomb of the unknown soldier. And when you go, they tell you in advance, listen, this is not where you laugh or cut up or joke around. We want everybody to be silent. Now, we're dealing with, with fifth graders, we want everybody to be silent and be respectful. And I had never been to Washington, D.C. before, but when I got there, I was just amazed. I was amazed at the discipline. I was amazed at the reverence. I was just amazed that 24 hours a day, 365 days out of the year, that tomb is guarded by a soldier. But on September 19, 2003, there was a hurricane that came by. Hurricane Isabel tore through Washington, D.C. and just came with a vengeance. And did you know that those soldiers were actually told to stop standing watch, to no longer guard the tomb, that they had the right to protect themselves and to, to push away? And listen to what happened in Washington, D.C. During winds that turned over vehicles, it turned debris into projectiles. Those soldiers actually refused to step down. They, through the hurricane, through unbelievable winds, they watched over that tomb. And one guy was quoted as this. This is his quote. I have no intention of spending my army career being known as the idiot who couldn't stand the little light breeze and shirked his duty. Unbelievable that they would, through a hurricane, stand watch and guard that tomb. Now, if they'll stand watch 
and guard spiritually or physically over something that's dead, how much more should we as men stand guard and protect the living, the family that's just so close, still living with us, protecting us, uh, protecting them who live in our house? And then number four is this. A man serves and leads his family. Now, in the world, those two words are polar opposites. Those two words don't go together. Those two words seem like they're contradictions. But in the word of God and in God's kingdom, those two words are synonymous. Serving is leading, and leading is serving. In Ephesians chapter 5, it actually talks about this scripture. It says this, Husband, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church, listen, and gave himself for her. They're not there to serve you. You're there to serve them. You say, how do I serve them? By leading them. How do I lead them? By serving them. The two go together. They're not there to wait on you hand and foot. This isn't your kingdom, right? This is you leading, and you lead by example, but you lead by serving. Every dad should say, how can I help you? What can I do for you? How can I see, serve you? How can I lead you by helping you in any way that I can? And then number five is this. A man followed God's design for true masculinity. A man follows God's design by true masculinity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse number 13, in the Phillips translation, in the New King James it says, be courageous. In the Phillips translation it says, hey, stand strong in the faith. But then it says this, be a man. Just be a man. Be a man. God has an idea of what masculinity is like. He knows all about it. He created us to be men. The Bible commands us, be a man, be strong. Do everything out of love. And God's idea of masculinity is not that people serve you or that, or that anyone is greater than anyone. Hey, listen, it is God's idea that we serve others and God's idea of masculinity has to be found in Christ. It is found no other way. It's not the accumulation of stuff. It's not the corner office. It's not trying to get ahead or build this or build that. Hey, we're not building our kingdom. True masculinity is when we find our purpose in God. When we hook on to God's plan, God's will for our life, that's when we understand what it means to be a man. Do you know that Winston Churchill said this, there comes into the life of every man a task for which he and he alone is uniquely suited? He said, what a shame if that moment finds him either unwilling or unprepared for which might become his finest hour. Do you believe that, that you have a finest hour and that you're preparing for it? Did you know this? Listen, 80% of what we do, anybody could do. I I'm sorry to burst your bubble this morning, but 80% of what you do, anybody could do. Anybody could do. Uh, listen, anybody could pastor this church. Not anybody, but there's a lot of people that could pastor this church. 
I, I've got four or five friends that could, that could pastor this church tomorrow. Y'all would miss me for about two months, right? Oh, boo, pastor's leaving. But then after that, and I'm not going anywhere, just letting you know. But there's, there's several men that could step in and fill this role. They could do this. This is, this is not rocket science, okay? It's possible. Other people pastor, okay? Other people do your job. 80% of what you do, somebody else could do. But there's 20% that only you can do. There's 20% of what you do that you are uniquely created for, that God designed just for you, that nobody else can do, and in that 20%, listen to me, you are irreplaceable. See, other people could step in and pastor this church. I know guys that can preach better than I can. I know guys that are more talented than I can. I know guys who are better pastors than me. I just know it. But nobody can be Cynthia's husband but me. Did you hear me now? Nobody. And I mean that. So if I go on to see Jesus, y'all remember these words. Nobody. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> I'm just setting it up. Nobody can be Cynthia's husband but me. And listen to me. Nobody can be my kid's father but me. Do you hear me now? That's the 20% that only I can do. So let me ask you this question as men today. Why not put all of our energies, why not put our best efforts, why not put all of us into that 20% that only we can do? You see? Because I don't want the moment to come and find myself unprepared. That's why I'm telling you today, it is time to grow up, and it is time to step up. When I was a child, listen, I, I thought as a child, <laughs> I spoke as a child, but when I became a man, it's time to put away childish things. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute today? What happened to men? This world is trying to take real men, masculinity, God's plan, God's purpose for our life, and trying to turn us into something that we're not. The whole gender confusion, don't think for a moment that it's not demonic. Don't think for a moment that the devil doesn't have an agenda with all that. Of course he does. Why? Because he does not want men to step up to be men. He does not want boys to grow up to be men. He doesn't want husbands to come home and say, hey, it's time for me to lead like I should, be the man of this house. It's time for me to guard this family, both physically and spiritually. It's time for me to control my emotions and push away from the computer and the phone, from those things that would try to tempt me or pull me away. It's just time to be a man and pursue God like never before. Because there's 20% that I do 
that God designed for only me to do. And in that 20%, I will excel. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each and every person in this place. Lord, I thank you for their lives. I thank you for who they are. Lord, I thank you for every man in this building. Can I pray for you today? Would you do this? Can I ask every male person in this place to just stand up? Let me pray for you very quickly. Right before I dismiss, I'll just pray for our men today. Hallelujah. See, God has an incredible plan for women. Women have a unique role. But God has called men to lead homes, to lead families, to do great things as well. So let's not leave them behind. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every man standing here today.